I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Melissa here. Just a note before we start. This episode contains descriptions of suicide, which could be distressing to some listeners. There's a give and take in the world of celebrity. This is the give. This, as controversial and unseemly as it is, is the take. And now an anonymous hacker has taken it a step further, posting images of nude celebrities on a messaging site. They lose an element of privacy. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but they taking that job, they know that they're going to be scrutinized. I would say to other victims who maybe don't have the confidence and don't know what to do about pursuing it, that... I know exactly how you feel, and I would just want to say to people, don't give up hope. Even if it takes years, you can get justice, and you didn't deserve to have this happen to you. Presumably in some of these cases, those pictures have been provided willingly and then abused in in the sense that they are then being shared amongst people they didn't expect. It is the boys who are under pressure to get these images, to, to attain them, to share them. For a bravado amongst exactly, their friends. Exactly, exactly. To tie into this idea of masculinity and to, to prove their masculinity. And it's the young girls and women who are feeling that pressure, who are feeling that coercion, that harassment. Um, so, it, it, which is why I would just question that, that idea yeah. of it willfully, willingly yeah. being, being provided. In March 2019, Lee Nichol, then playing for Charlton, received a message from a man on Instagram who claimed he'd seen her in an X-rated video. She did not believe it. It couldn't possibly be true. Until she saw the footage and, in an instant, her life was shredded. Lee was a victim of revenge porn. Her iCloud was hacked and private content, which was made in 2014, aged 18, was uploaded on adult websites. It went viral, sending the Scottish midfielder down a dark path, littered with thoughts of suicide. Lee would wake up, think about hanging herself from the tree in the garden, be sick, and repeat the cycle. She is sharing her story on Between the Lines because we do not talk about mental health enough in football. We do not consider how people in the game feel enough, all too happy to tear them down, but express sadness and shock when someone tragically takes their own life. Lee's is a jarring story, but one that ultimately ends in triumph. It has taken a long time for her to be okay. It's still an ongoing process, 
but the tree has taken on a different meaning and she is now a source of inspiration. Lee, this might be an uncomfortable place to start, but I think it's the most important one because mental health is still not discussed today widely and deeply in this industry. Um, The last thing you see before you leave the dressing room on a match day is a picture of the tree in your garden. It now symbolizes resilience and strength and power and growth. But initially, it didn't symbolize that for you. What the tree represent in the aftermath of what happened to you, the, the initial stage? Yeah, so the, the tree now um, means the absolute world to me. But a, a couple of years ago, it, it was the place that I had decided that that was, that was a symbol that I had to go and take my own life. So every single morning that I, I woke up, it was the first thing that I seen. And I had assumed that that meant that that was a sign that I had to go and end my life um, at that place. And I felt that way for a number of weeks and I, I couldn't shake it off because anytime I went to the toilet or my bedroom, um, I didn't have any curtains up. So probably my own fault, but it was the, it was the one thing that I, I seen I couldn't shake off. I always thought that, yep, yeah, this is it. That's the sign right there. Um, go and do it. It'll make everything so much easier for you. And it was a constant battle every single day of my life. And I remember having like stern words with myself, like how can you look at that tree differently? Because there's going to come a point where you're going to go and do it. And I, I had to self-talk and I, I just came up with a meaning in my in my head that that then that tree had survived all the weathers, it survived all the storms, it loses branches uh, weekly, monthly, yearly, but it, the core of it, it still remains and it grows again. And um, it, the tree doesn't ever fall, um, but it does lose parts of parts of its identity throughout throughout the journey as well. But the tree is still standing, so um, it, it did definitely have a, a deeper meaning before. But that was my perception that changed. And even at that, it didn't just change overnight. I had to self-talk myself into believing that that tree meant um, that it was a sign of survival. That's quite a scary place to get to where you're waking up on a daily basis and thinking you have to end it all. And, you know, that thought is, is hanging with you and living with you through everything that you're doing in the day obviously that gets built up as well over time what were before you got to that point what were the initial sort of mental impact on you the first mental impact it was it was sheer shock um it was panic attacks it was shame it was guilt um, it was a feeling of lost. I do not know what to do. I do not want to. I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. I don't know how I can help. I, I don't know how I can stop it. I was just utterly confused, um, and I felt guilty. Um, and then that soon turned into I was completely ashamed, um, and that was the initial feeling. And then that then turned into me believing all of that and believing what other people thought of me because what I had seen and what I'd heard and I became what everyone thought what I thought people were thinking of me um, and that was the emotions that then got to got me to that place um, there wasn't a day where I wasn't sick all throughout the day I used to have to sleep with a with a champagne bucket um, that usually we, we would have after the game and we'd put our champagne or, or ice in it and that was then what I had beside my bed um, 
between my, my bed and my wall was kind of at the same height of me so that I could just tilt my head and I didn't need to move because I was that weak that I couldn't move um, as the weeks went on and I was really, really ill with it. So that is where I was at mentally with it and then that then came to the, the conclusion in my head that I had to go and take my own life. But I think I felt every single sense of emotion it felt a little bit like grief as if I had lost someone but I hadn't lost someone the only person that I think I'd lost was myself and um, because I had been tarnished with a completely different identity to to what I'd been brought up as and, and what I knew knew myself as because of this situation that happened well, the way you're describing it and you saying you you lost yourself it does sound like that because it seems like on a day-to-day basis you weren't actually doing much you weren't living you weren't you weren't engaging in things you weren't you just weren't being you at all it sounds like you were waking up being sick having these thoughts and going to bed and continuing the cycle honestly that that was as exciting as Maddie got um I wouldn't shower I wouldn't brush my teeth I wouldn't eat um, my friends, I had two best friends living with me at that time and they had to sleep with me each night. They, they had a little rota that went on, but as soon as their alarm went off at 6am in the morning, um, obviously when I was sleeping, I wasn't really sleeping. So like as soon as I heard the alarm, that was me up and I would then start crying. I'd be shaking, I'd be trembling, I'd be sick immediately and they even felt guilty about leaving me. And then I would literally just lay in bed, take myself downstairs. I don't know why I would take myself downstairs, but that, that would be my life. And I, I achieved absolutely nothing during that period of my life. Like, I do not know how I managed to keep myself breathing. Um, I, I was just a waste of space. How do you sort of shake that off? I know it, it takes so much because you're now debilitated on every sort of level. You, you're not actually wanting to do stuff. You're not... You, you're actually not wanting to exist, which is why the thought of ending it all comes. But how does that process of, of getting out of it start? I know you say you had friends around you and stuff, so obviously that support system mm-hmm. is crucial. Honestly, as cliche as it sounds, and I hate saying it, um, but the matter of fact is it was time and it was just letting the storm pass and not having an expectation on it, it's going to get better tomorrow. It was literally just getting by hour by hour. And that was success to me. Um, and that was, I hate saying it, but it was time. Like looking at the, looking at it now, it was like time helped and people around me got me through it. But there was also, you, you had to find that strength from within you. And I kept saying to myself, Lee, if you get through this, you're going to be an inspiration to many, many people. Um, I don't want to be just another stat. Um, that has done the inevitable and, and took her own life when a lot of people did expect that from me. I had a lot of friends that, even though I hadn't said that I wanted to die, um, they knew quite clearly that's where I was. Um, and I knew that by the amount of cards, flowers, people at my door um, every single hour. You could just tell that they they were petrified. So people in time was what got it, it got me through. But I think finding that strength in your body to want to survive and I found a purpose, the fact that I said to myself, this time next year, on the exact date that it happened, I want to be around a table with my best friends, cheersing, and I want to be able to, to say this happened for a reason. Um, and although it was the, the worst thing that I'll ever, I'll ever go through in my life, 
there's good that's came from it. And I had that motivation to survive it, to inspire other people that, that haven't been uh, able to survive it. And I think that's what got me through. I've always been someone that likes to help and inspire other people. And I guess that's the, a quality in life that, that was the difference because I'm, I wasn't motivated for myself. I wasn't motivated because I physically wanted to be here. I was motivated by, in a year's time, being able to be that inspiration that someone looks at when they're going through the same thing as me and says, Lee got over it and Lee's happy again. Um, and Lee's still got a future and, and a career and she's now helping other people. And I think that was genuinely the strength that I had from really early on in it. Even though I didn't see a way, I, I didn't know how. I didn't know how it was going to be able to happen and how I would get to 12 months on. But I knew that I was going to do it for other people. But it wasn't myself, it was other people. Because to me, it would have been easier just to take myself away from the situation completely rather than put up with it. When you speak about other people there, um, it's interesting because not just from the inspiration element, but often when something happens to me, when I'm compromised in my safety or something, you know, very sexually driven or, or racially driven is targeted to me, I don't think about myself. I always think about my family, like, oh, what if my mom sees this? What if my dad, what if my brother... And so for you, when you've been a victim of this crime, did you think about, oh my goodness, my my parents are going to see this? Um, Did all those things cross your mind? I think for me, when I knew I had to make the phone call to my family um, before it became as big as what it did, I knew it was getting there and Having a phone, it was my brother that I called. Um, my brother's a, a little bit older than me, but he's always been my inspiration in life. Um, he is, he's always been that, that father figure to me. So he was the one that I had to make the phone call to. And the hardest thing for me was my brother was nothing but just proud of me my whole life and what I'd achieved. And I was his little sister that never brought him any problems in life. He didn't have to worry about his little sister when she was at high school and um, having loads of boyfriends or because I was so um, into my football. Boys weren't a focus. So my brother still, still to this day hasn't met like a boy that I've ever dated or a relationship. So it's me even saying on TV to my brother that someone is, is good looking was really difficult for him to at least stop it. So for me to then pick up the phone and probably say the words that he would never have had an an idea would ever come out my mouth was it was unimaginable and it was probably the the toughest part of it. Um, I can remember I said to myself, I'm going to phone my brother. If he doesn't answer, that means I don't need to tell him. And again, that was another shine that I just thought that if, if he doesn't answer, that means he'll never find out. And he didn't answer, but he actually phoned me back seconds later and I was watching it ring and I was like, I can't answer. And I answered and asked him if he was at work. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'm just leaving. I said, call me when you're in the car. And when he, he was like, no, 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 tell me. And I said, no, call me when you're in the car. And he was like, tell me. So he'd left and, and I told him, and you know what? His, his initial reaction was better than I could have ever have wished for. Um, he tried to make a slight joke of it to kind of humour the situation a little bit. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm being serious. Like, he said, what do you mean, Lee? He said, you're, you're a no, he's like, Lee, no disrespect, you're a nobody. Why would anyone be interested? And I was like, you don't understand. You, you don't get it. It's, it's going viral. And he went, what do you mean viral? What, in your world? Like, and I was like, 
I don't want to have to go into any more depth than this, but please just trust me. I'm not being a hypochondriac. I'm not being a drama queen. This is going big. He's like, right, okay, right, well, we'll deal with it. I'll give you a call back. And he called me back a couple of minutes late and I think he'd processed it. And he was my shining star. Um, if he took it another way and, and my brother had turned his back on me or made it difficult for me, I think that would have been enough to... If my family had disowned me or made it difficult for me, I think that would have been enough for me just to take myself away from from everything. Because I think one thing, and I think you'll probably be the exact same and many people listening, you never want to let down your family. Um, it's, it's the one people in the world that you never want to disappoint, let down. Um, so, yeah, I was just really fortunate that I had a brother that stood by my side. And still, even at this point, we are now the best of friends. And my relationship with him now is... Um, solids. It's so weird how we build things up in our head to the worst case scenario first, you know, thinking like uh, that often impacts a situation so badly because we think about it so negatively that infuses everything that we do and then we're acting on that. Um, so that's very positive that he was there for you and that your family was there for you. Are you also at that point thinking about your career like what does this mean now for for your career football like you've said was everything to you that that was your focus that's what you threw yourself to I uh, yeah uh the moment it happened the moment I accepted that I had lost everything from my career to my family to my friends I thought they'd disown me I thought I had lost everything my head went to a place that I just would never imagine. It was like, I've not got football. I've not got my my work. Um, I worked in education at the time. Um, I'm not going to have any friends. My family's going to disown me. I'm going to be a very lonely human being. And I was so set on that. I was convinced um, and I accepted that. And when I got a phone call from my football club, I said, my first words were, you don't have to have this conversation with me. I'm stepping away. It's totally okay. And I can remember... Um, Steve, my general manager, said, Lee, what, what are you talking about? We're going to stand by you. And I, I started crying. I said, what do you mean? Why would you stand by me Like after this? He was like, you are a victim, Lee. So we are going to stand by you. You are a victim. You have not put this out there yourself. And you know what? If you had, we'd deal with that as well. But you are a victim. So why would we turn our back on you at Charlton Football Club? Um, you have got the full support of everyone here and we will do what it takes. Um, now have the time off that you need. And we will, and he literally phoned me numerous times a day for weeks. Um, and having that support again, or with my brother supporting me and with my football club supporting me, it removed issues that I didn't need to worry about. Yeah. Um, and that's what it did. So it was like, right, okay, I don't need to worry about that because they're okay. I don't need to worry about that because they're okay. Even though I still felt sheer guilt and, and total emotions towards it, it wasn't adding any more pressure to the situation that I was going through. And I'm sure you understand like what that means and anyone listening, that it was just eradicating potential other problems being thrown in the mix that it, it might have been one too many if one of those um, didn't support me. Now, even with your family support, with having your friends all around you, with having your football club standing by you, those are all very, you know, significant, important things to have. It was still difficult to overcome how much it had impeded you. Yeah, um, it was impossible to me. So it was. I still had to look at my friends, so I didn't know what they were thinking, but I was also looking at my friends that they were broken over it as well. Um, 
they were sick over it. They they were angry over it, not because of me. They were angry at the world. And they were in as bad a place as me at times because I was never a friend that suffered. I was always the friend that had the answers for everything. And I was the positive one. And to see someone like that, I guess it's like seeing your mum upset. None of us really are ever used to, to seeing her like that. So when you see someone that you, you never, you're never used to seeing upset and being so helpless... My friends really struggled with that. I think they were scared that it was the last time that they would ever see me. Um, but yeah, it was still so difficult. Even looking back, I'm like, well, I still have my family and I have my friends. So why why was it hardly? Um, and it's really hard to explain why it was hard, even though the support I had around me. But just the the guilt, I couldn't I couldn't leave the house. I was I was so scared because how big it got, and I thought, why is everyone interested in this? Like that's my private life. It's it's nothing to do with anyone else. Well, that's why it was so difficult because you were you, your personal life was invaded in a very explicit sort of way. You know, that's you. It's your body. It's your choice. It's your decision. It's your intimate moments your moment for just you and that person not the rest of the world or whoever wants to click on a link and and that is quite a quite a huge thing it's not oh the small little thing happened and it's okay it's it's something you have to wear because i suppose in your head as well anyone looks at you whoever they are even if it's complete strangers you're thinking are they looking at me because yeah they've clicked the link yep that that is the feeling that I've I've had ever since it happened every time I walk into a shop every time I walk into an environment where I don't know everyone in the room um whenever I go to a nightclub whenever I go on holiday whenever I go to the airport I'm always looking over my shoulder thinking why is he looking at me is he is he looking at me just to be because he's people watching is he looking at me because he knows who I am um, and that is a really difficult battle that I'll have to um, fight for the rest of my life, sadly. And I deal with it now. Um, it's just it's just became a, a normal part of my day to day life. But I genuinely wish it wasn't. Um, I know. Yeah. So I really wish that I didn't have to look at someone and try and read through their minds. That in fact, they could just be daydreaming. Um, but I think that's just the place that I'm at. Um, at Sadly, many times they are looking at me because they recognise me and they're trying to work out where they've, where they've seen me from. And I just don't think that... I've always been someone with so much respect for myself um, in a sexual, sexual aspect, in a relationship aspect. I'm very private. Um, so for that to then come out, I just... I can't look at myself the same still at this point. Um, I just have to deal with it. I look at myself and I think that's no longer private to me. So I don't bother with boys now um, or men now. I don't I don't bother because I'm like, well, it's no longer a private element of my life. So I don't really see why it's special. And that's not special to me anymore. And I think that's something that's been ripped away from me. So I just, I've got no confidence or no interest at the moment and haven't in, in two years now. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you break it down, it's so scary. I don't even know if scary is the right word, but how somebody taking a very nasty action but it probably you know something they decide to do without even really thinking about it the the devastating impacts it can have all this time later on you in a in a mental essence in a in a personal life essence like you said it's a daily battle that you're still fighting and i suppose the fact that you know with social media people are able to comment just instantly and continuously that probably doesn't help either because they always want to remind you of that yeah i think social media is one of the you might be having a good day but you i'm quickly reminded that usually when i'm i'm quite i'm quite a positive person um and i think sometimes that aggravates some um some sad people the fact that I look happy um, and I think they need to feel, they need to remind me of my situation by and them abusing me, them sending them, um, them sending pictures of themselves um, to me, videos of themselves to me. And 
Look, like now, again, I've just adapted. Um, I shrug it off. I kind of have a little joke in my head, but there's them times that I'm having a bad day and I don't want to see it. And even if I'm having a good day, I really don't want to see it at all, but I'm able to manage it and I've got a way of dealing with it. But when I'm having a bad day, um, the last thing I want to do is be reminded of the darkest moment of my life. And I feel like they will go to any level and beyond that they need to, to get someone down. And do you know what? It, it works. Um, it really does work. And social media companies do nothing to support this. The amount of times that I and my other friends that play female sport report disgraceful comments and it comes back and they say that they can't remove it. Um, and you, now I probably play a game where I could delete the comments myself, but I like to just report them to see if social media companies find them bad enough to remove themselves. And it's, you've got to laugh, the fact that they don't. So, and usually they're quite quick at getting back to me as well. So I can delete them in a matter of time. Um, but I do, I like to just see if they, if they do remove them now, because you know what, it doesn't, doesn't really bother me anymore. People call me all these names, but I like to see how much social media companies are actually doing to protect us. So when I report them instead of deleting them myself, it is now more just to see how bad this issue is and how protected we actually are. And we're not at all, sadly. And I see that by, um, the la I think I had my first one two days ago deleted. And it was probably one of the better comments that I've had, which makes me laugh. Um, and that's why my, my friends go through it. Um, my black friends are going through it more than anyone at the minute. And if that's what I can't get removed when it's got explicit words in them, then we've got no chance for the for the rest of the issues going on in the world at the minute. Yeah, social media. We we've, we've done an entire episode on their lack of action. It's always they always give out these statements for appeasement, um, and then never do anything really to follow through. But we have to keep challenging them. That's the only way we can force change. Um, I know you did therapy through the PFA. Um, were they very good? Was it? Did you find that quite helpful, quite necessary at the Massively. time? Um, I think obviously everyone I know has had, um, that's had therapy. It's been touch and go, but it does genuinely come down to the, the person that you get um, and probably where if you're prepared to talk as well. So I was very fortunate that I had an incredible woman um, who I really bought into and I was looking at as a, as, as a mother figure that I was able to lean on and I had 16 sessions with her and I was able just to talk, I was able to cry, I was able to really say what I was thinking instead of trying to protect my friends and my family from hearing the truth. Um, so with Marie, um, she allowed me that just open platform to to see what I was really thinking, and she was able to establish what was what was true, and what I was making up in my head. And she was able to give me some coping mechanisms. And it took time; it, it didn't work immediately. I felt more emotional after the first few sessions. It was tough; it was raw. But then we made a breakthrough, um, and then I got comfortable um, letting out my emotions. And as soon as I let down that barrier things started becoming a lot clearer for me and I absolutely love my time um, and my therapy and I'm so grateful for the the PFA for allowing that to happen and um, they really went above and beyond because I wasn't actually part of the PFA because I hadn't played in the top league so the fact that um, they were willing to help me again just forever grateful because I couldn't I had 
sadly lost my job at that point in time. I couldn't afford to also be going to pay um, 80 to 100 plus pound per session. But it, again, it was another reason that I do believe that I was able to keep breathing and able to keep waking up in the morning. And then from that, um, I then got a life coach a few months after that and, and he took me to the next level because he was able to kind of give advice, tell me what to do instead of therapists will just listen and, and try and help you understand a little bit more. But my life coach, he will, he's brutal with me. Um, whether someone's passed away or whether I've had a bad game at football, he's the same with me. It's, it's, it's the same. He'll say, right, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? You still, you still need to get up in the morning. You still need to do your goals. You still need to do this. Um, and there's a difference between both, but I couldn't have done the life coaching without getting my therapy. Um, so, and I think the, the next step on from my therapy was life coaching to really push me on, especially with me being a sports person. Football has also acted as as therapy and as a life coach for you. It's your your centering point. So how difficult was it when, um, you know, the, the global pandemic hit and then all football stopped? I can imagine without that source of, of your joy and your major activity in life, it, it would have been quite difficult. Well, I, I had actually chose to step away from football leading up to the pandemic. So that season, I, cu- I couldn't mentally put myself through it. So I'd I had chosen to step away because I wasn't comfortable um, being under the pressure of having to perform, um, having to get three points, having to focus solely on football um, and give them all for my teammates because I couldn't give them all for myself, let alone anyone else. So I had stepped away um, and I didn't even hesitate. I, I was like, I need, to, I need to step away. I can't do it. I've not got the brain capacity. I'm not interested. And I stepped away for about um, a year. And just before the pandemic, I'd started training with Crystal Palace, started trying to get fit. And then the pandemic happened. But actually, when the pandemic happened, it was probably, on a personal note, the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it allowed me time to stand still, reflect, not be around people, and actually deal with emotions that I'd never dealt with. And then going, concentrating on on my fitness. Um, and alongside me working on my fitness came my, my mental fitness. It got better. Um, without having to compete because I'm very competitive. So me being able to go out running for myself, by myself, um, I only wanted to compete with myself. And if I wanted to stop running, I could stop running. I didn't feel guilty on letting someone down. So I think um, the pandemic gave me lockdown number one I'm talking about, not not a year on. <laughs> lockdown number one really did um, change my life for the better. And I'm really grateful and I'm aware that I'm probably one of a a small percentage of people that really benefited from that pandemic. It gave me the the time that I needed after a really tough year. It was actually, ironically, it was a a year to the date on that the pandemic happened Um, last year in March. It was exactly a year, which was funny because it wasn't how I imagined uh, a year on. I I imagined it would be me out for dinner with with my friends cheering actual fact we were shutting down at eight o'clock at night listening to the announcement of Boris Johnson but what I didn't realize then was it was it it changed me it took me to the next level again the pandemic um massively because I had to deal with more emotions that I had avoided because I was so busy um working um trying to build things back up again that I never ever listened to my thoughts and I wouldn't sleep I'd sleep two hours a night but by the pandemic happening I had to sleep because it was boring 
Um, I had to go and do fitness because, again, I was bored during the day. Um, I had to look after my nutrition um, because I had no excuse not to. And I had to surround myself by people that I really wanted to be around because, again, that's the people that made our days a bit brighter during the pandemic, whether it was on Zoom, um, social distance, what when they were allowed and, and whatnot. So I'm really grateful for, for that. However, now, like, I'm really struggling at the minute because I'm going through an injury. And after speaking out about it a few months ago, um, I've not been able to go to football and get away from it um, because of because of my injury. So I've really struggled with that because all the emotions have came back again. It's been raw. And I've had to go back to the start. And now that I know where I'm at mentally, just self-talk and say, Lee, you know, you know why you're feeling like this? Just give it a few days and this is what you need to do. And um, now I totally understand my mind and why I feel the way that I do and what I need to do to help myself. It's It's interesting how... You know, you talk about that first point of the pandemic and when it happened, I think we were all flying, you know, baking banana bread, learning new recipes, thinking about new learning new languages and all that stuff. But I suspect, you know, like you say, having spoken out this last lockdown coupled with your injury, the fact that you haven't really been able to socialize, that would have also mentally made it tougher to do all your uh, self-talking. Massively. Um, anyone, anyone listening to this and yourself, yeah, self-talking it works, but there's times when it doesn't work, and sometimes you need a cuddle. Some sometimes you need to just let it out, and and someone just tell you it's going to be okay, or someone just say it's okay to feel this way, or or whatever. Um, there's times when it doesn't work, and you just need to ride that storm again, and just know that it will get better. And that's what I've struggled with because when I did speak out, I made a stupid decision not to tell my friends because um, I know they would worry. So I just thought I would just speak out, see where it goes. And um, I didn't tell them. And I also didn't have my friends here to be able to lean on um, when it got tougher than probably what I thought it would be. Um, and that's what I didn't struggle with. But I've got, I do live with my best friend, but she works in a, a job where she still had to go in for 12 hours a day every day. So she wasn't even here. So it was very, I, I was very alone through that period and I probably didn't think about it as much as I should have in terms of the circumstances and, and making sure that I was surrounded by by people because I thought like I'm in a great place at the minute I'm I'm fine like I get abuse anyway so what difference is it going to make but I probably didn't didn't expect the amount of abuse that I got for speaking out um I really didn't expect that and I didn't expect it to get me in the place that it got me again yeah that, that makes sense I suppose initially there would have been that you wanting to tell your story to help others to protect others to make others aware of of the dangers but also the the sizable impact it can have an, on an individual and on their family and on their friends and all of those things are are really good things but we never really know how something's going to affect us until it happens until it's out there and I can relate to what you're saying because even when I got to the point of thinking I want to speak about how my how I've been compromised in this job doing that and even writing it and whatever is very different to the moment it's out there and people can respond to it it's it's quite overwhelming and again like you're saying doing it when you're in a lockdown and you're unable to have 
people around you and and support not virtually not through facetime or whatever sometimes you need a hug or you just need that literal face to face yes yeah i guess like that's the thing like doing it over the phone again it takes out so much energy because it's not just one friend that you you need to phone and speak to it's, it's maybe a couple and it takes them I guess I had, I didn't have much breath because when I was, I went back into an, a state of anxiety. And I guess if if, if you've experienced anxiety, you'll, you'll kind of understand that you kind of struggle with your breathing. So like when I was trying to uh, check in with my friends and kind of keep them up to date, I was really struggling like to, to use my voice because I kept having to take like a big deep breath and I was like, I just can't, can't breathe properly. So I think what I probably need that point was just to someone to sit, next to me and put a film on and just be there if I needed to speak um because the anxiety is really tough it's really tough to hold a conversation um when you're experiencing those episodes because you do feel like you're a, you're on the verge of having a major panic attack but you also don't know if it's actually a heart attack and it's, it's a really difficult it's a horrible feeling knowing that it's coming it's coming my heart feels tight my chest feels tight I can feel my heart beating, like it feels like it's coming out my chest. I now can't breathe. And that would last about two or three days at a time for me. Um, and actually I had to go and end up, I took some anxiety tablets that I haven't done in two years just to kind of relax a little bit because I didn't have an exit route. Like I was in a house and I was like, I can't, what do I do? Who can I speak to? I just want to cuddle. Like, uh, But then I also didn't want to panic anyone because I'm like, oh God, they, they all knew this would have been a bad idea. So the last thing I wanted to do is say the right because that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but in with all this, with how taxing it's been on you, and not just when it initially happened, but taxing even now, two years down the line, even when you've done all this work and you are so much stronger, you have been that tree, and that tree is now fertilizing others because I know the Premier League want to get you involved, the clubs to come and give talks to their players to make them aware of these issues. I know Police Scotland and the Ministry of Justice have also been in touch with you to share and inspire people. And that vision you had in your head of of sitting with your friends and toasting it obviously didn't happen because of the global pandemic, but you'd initially talked yourself out of ending it all because you wanted to inspire, you wanted your story to help others, to make a difference, and now that's happening. 100%. I think after after the, the first week of me speaking out, things calmed down and I really started to see the positive effects that it had. Um because I guess as human beings, we are equipped to just look at the negatives in life. Um, I don't know why, but it seems to be that for every hundred comments I was I was getting that were positive, there was that one that would just wind me up and I'd get angry. And I, I, I'm like, have you not read the article? Um, have you not read it? Well, why do you feel the need to comment that? Um, so once my, the raw emotions and the kind of panic of it all settled, I was able to kind of have a smile on my face. And then from that, opportunities that it was as if they heard what it was as if I had said in the article exactly the what I wanted to come from it and I actually hadn't said that and the, the two things where I was working um alongside the FA FA to to educate 
uh, football clubs. And the second thing was was working alongside schools. And that was my vision that I, I had. And <laughs> about a week later, um, Matt and Fraser at B5 uh, consultancy had contacted me asking to meet. And it was just, it was a dream for me. Um, I just thought, have you been listening to my conversations? So for them to then contact me at the time that they had to, to offer me an opportunity to come in and work alongside them and Premier League clubs and, and other football clubs and hopefully reach out into the women's football sector in a lot larger scale to give them the kind of educating that, that we feel like is required now. That is my my dream. Um, it was just a bit, it, it was a bit crazy that how it happened. And then I think a couple of days after that, Police Scotland cybercrime team reached out to me and I couldn't believe that because I couldn't, I couldn't get the police's support two years ago and then they wanted my help. So... Again, and that is now going to be rolling out to, to primary and secondary schools in Scotland, hopefully, um, all going well. And again, the Ministry of Justice uh, sliding into my DMs. I mean, it's probably one of the better um, ran, random requests that I've had, I must say. Um, so that was Yeah, you don't, you don't think of the Ministry of Justice when the term sliding into DMs comes into the equation. It was quite funny, and I think it was in my uh, V5. He said, well, that's the first that I've seen that. Usually he's having to deal with... Uh, more negative uh, comments and, and direct messages into our DMs, but yeah, it was it was just quite funny. I was like, wow, <laughs> like <laughs> it's just something that you just never would imagine. So yeah, so um, hopefully something will come with that. And then obviously we're working on um, submitting a new um, law, uh, commissioning a new law submission uh, and whatnot. So we've got loads of positive things happening. Again, like these things are going to take take time, and you won't hear much at, at the minute, but. Um, it's like buses, it all comes at once. So everything's going on behind the scenes and, and hopefully within a, a month, two months or three months, everyone will be able to see the work that is going on behind the scenes that, that they wouldn't have heard of me since January. And then we'll put, I'll, hopefully we'll be popping up in a couple of months with, with what, we've been, what we've been up to and what's in place to, to help not just victims of revenge porn, but, but people that are suffering a lot of things um, and people who need protect, uh, protected and educated on how to carry themselves on social media. You're not alone. Um, surround yourself by, by good people. And if you are suffering, um, you can slide into my DMs um, and I can help or I can I, I can help because I've got ears. So please, if, if you feel that you are alone, like I am here to support and be ears. Um, just never go through it alone. Thank you so much to Lee for sharing her experience in such an open, vulnerable way and for offering to be a set of ears. Don't be afraid to talk about how you're feeling. There is an endless supply of mental health resources that you can turn to. Regardless of where you are in the world, checkpointorg.com provides links to help in your local area. Take care of yourself and check in on your friends, family, colleagues. Talking and listening are powerful tools that can help save lives. Between the Lines is a Stakhanov production, written and narrated by me, Melissa Reddy. Our producer is Charlie Morgan. Our assistant producer is Natalie Wilson. The executive producers are John Teague and Luke Aaron Moore. Sound design and mixing is by Tom Wally. All music comes courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Thanks for listening. 
Tune in next time. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,